Hello and welcome to the Movie Discussion Podcast, looking over the career of one of my favourite admired and cool and respected talented actors of all time, Philip Andre Rourke Jr. This is Mickey Rourke Talk with your host, Shane A. Bassett. Enjoy. That music instrumental piece was from the movie Barfly, 1987 classic starring Mickey Rourke and Faye Dunaway. The music is by the band Booker T and the MGs and it's called Hip Hug Her. However, we'll be talking about the great film Barfly on another occasion, but today's episode consists of three brilliant, well I think they're brilliant, Mickey Rourke movies, Rumblefish from 1983, White Sands from 1992, one of my personal favourites, and Ashby out of 2015. Do you like Ashby? Well, if you haven't seen it, you will want to see it after we finish talking about it. So, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's talk Mickey Rourke. Rumblefish, 1983, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, one of the greats and an absolute flop when it first came out. Here's some of the actors that star with Mickey Rourke in the film. Lawrence Fishburne, Dennis Hopper, Vincent Spano, Nick Cage, the great Nicolas Cage, Christopher Penn, Tom Waits, Diane Lane, Matt Dillon, and Sophia Coppola, the daughter of Francis, of course. Now, Francis admits this is his favourite movie, or at least one of them, and which is a pretty big call considering he's done Apocalypse Now, Bram Stoker's Dracula, The Godfather Trilogy, The Cotton Club, very underrated movie, among many others. So for him to say this was one of his favourite movies to do is huge. Uh, Mickey Rourke, obviously, like thousands of young actors back in the day, auditioned for The Outsiders, the movie by the novelist, S.E. Hinton, that Francis Coppola did before Rumblefish. Uh, And although he didn't get a part in The Outsiders, obviously Francis recalled Mickey to uh, be in this adaptation playing Motorcycle Boy. Essie Hinton, the author, she uh, she has a cameo in Rumblefish. If uh, you blink, you might miss her, but I did notice her on the way through in a very minor short scene. She's the author of uh, three adaptations that I'm aware of. May have done others, but Tex with Emilio Estevez, also Matt Dillon, uh, The Outsiders, and, of course, Rumblefish. Mickey was also in the cast of the Francis Ford Coppola movie The Rainmaker, in 1997, a movie I haven't seen for a while, but I remember 
watching it at the cinema a couple of times upon its first release and enjoying it a lot. I do own a DVD copy of it, special edition, so I'll re-watch it, obviously, before I record a podcast talking about that one. Uh, during this time, I would have assumed that Mickey, although he was constantly working, if you look through his career, and we'll be talking about all his movies throughout his uh, hectic career, uh, it was a time, though, in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, that Mickey was pretty much off the radar. And someone like Francis giving him a role, albeit not huge, but big enough, in a huge studio film was a big thing. And I'm really glad that uh, he did because Mickey can still act despite whatever happened in his personal life and sporting life as well, of course, boxing. Music. The music in Rumblefish by Stuart Copeland. Good composer. I think this was his first movie that he composed. Uh, he is one of the members of The Police, uh, a jazz rock reggae outfit that I always liked. I still do. A little bit too reggae for me, but uh, The Police have some really good tunes, of course. Sting, uh, also in The Police, who has done a fair bit of acting himself. Uh, Wall Street, She's Having a Baby, are two movies that Stuart Copeland's done the music for. He also did the music... For Good Burger in 1997. Do you remember that? Well, I do. Because I like it. I still do. Uh, I think this movie... Well, I don't have to think. I know Rumblefish was discovered later. A long time later after it was released in the cinemas and did nothing at the box office. A mega flop. I remember seeing it for the first time on VHS. I never saw it at the cinema, unfortunately, this one. But I do own a couple of copies of it now on DVD. And one in particular, beautiful special edition double disc with a slipcover and some great extras on it. It's in my beloved Mickey Rock collection. Now, the movie is very surreal. It's almost dreamlike. It's blended scenes with really cool black and white cinematography. Synchronizes the enjoyment for me. I enjoy it. The older I get, I think, I never really liked it much as a kid, but much prefer watching it now and getting a little bit more out of it. Performances from everyone are terrific. Cinematography, as I said, by Stephen H. Burnham, I think is his name. He also did The Outsiders and one of the great Brat Pack movies, St. Elmo's Fire. Now, Motorcycle Boy is also colorblind, uh, Mickey Rourke's character, which is a little nice slice of life because... We see coloured fish through Motorcycle Boy's eyes in this movie. Uh, I guess there's a little bit more colourful scenes in it, but uh, don't want to give that away right now. Just a heads up. There will be a few spoilers, but I'm not going to go blow by bow with synopsis, so don't you worry about that. I won't be reading off any screens either. Also, the clothes that Mickey wears... He's usually subjected to some weird costumes throughout his career, so I'm always going to bring up clothes. In this one, he wears a woolen jacket at one point. He's got some uh, checkered shirts on. He has these really cool, sweet, ultra sunnies, sunglasses that he wears. They suit him. Some heavy-duty boots, of course, because he's riding a bike. Uh, some black pants. Without question, he's dressed appropriately for the character. Suits him down to the ground. He uh, smokes in pretty much all his movies. And this one, he has his first cigarette in the house after he helps his brother. Helps out his brother. 
uh, in a scene which is pretty remarkable. Matt Dillon plays Motorcycle Boy's brother and there's a big lead up to the introduction and he makes an immediate impact as Motorcycle Boy when Mickey rides in on his bike and lifts his bike up while it's still going and knocks some people over and breaks up a brawl, saves his brother. Does he suit the role? Yeah, of course he suits the role. He's perfect for it, and I'm really glad that Francis recalled him. He's softly spoken in this. He's got this unassuming look. Uh, ironically, in real life too, as you might know if you're a Mickey Rourke fan, Mickey loves animals, and his character Motorcycle Boy also loves animals, and in one particular scene he lets a whole mass of animals free inside a pet store, which is pretty cool. Uh, but unfortunately, the pet store also becomes... Motorcycle Boy's downfall uh, during the final stanza of the movie. And throughout the movie, it's obvious everyone really does respect Motorcycle Boy, except the police. So uh, very sad when all that goes down. Uh, Dennis Hopper is worth noting playing Mickey Rourke's dad. They have a little scene on the bed. Not what you think. Uh, Matt Damon, Matt Dillon's in there as well. Uh, very natural. And if you listen to the audio commentary on the DVD special edition, Francis says as much. They just let the cameras roll and they're all mucking around together, which is pretty cool, I think. Some legends are there. And a quick mention of a deleted scene that's on the DVD with a basketball coach played by John P. Ryan. And we'll be talking about John P. Ryan shortly. Uh, he's a very well-known character actor. Uh, you might know him from Runaway Train. He was very vicious in that, chasing after John Voigt and Eric Eric Roberts. God, how did I go blank on Eric Roberts' name? Eric Roberts is a, a great mate of Mickey's. So we'll be talking about him in future episodes a lot more. And he'll get a mention today because in our third movie, Ashby, Emma Roberts is in that. And yeah, John P. Ryan plays the basketball coach in a deleted scene in Rumblefish, and he is in White Sands, which, guess what, we're going to be talking about right now. White Sands, one of my personal favourites from 1992, the year of release. I saw it at the cinema at least once, maybe twice. I cannot recall. I know the first time where I saw it in a big cinema that doesn't exist anymore in George Street, Sydney, and it stuck with me. I always really enjoyed this movie. I don't know what it was about it. There was a lot of thrillers, crime thrillers that were around this time in the early, early to mid-90s that were always pretty cool. It's directed by a Kiwi, New Zealand director, Roger Donaldson. And here's some of the cast. James Rebhorn, Willem Dafoe, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonia, Mimi Rogers, the great Mimi Rogers, and M. Emmett Walsh and Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, that's right. Samuel L. Jackson is in this movie. And prominent too. It's not like uh, he's young in it, but it's a demanding and quite full-on role. I had a chance to interview the director, Roger Donaldson, on a different movie he was releasing at the time called McLaren. But I snuck in a mention about White Sands. And this is what went down. Uh, White Sands is is an incredible film. Um, what was it like? Well, oh, thank you. 
I, it holds up really well. And I was just wondering what it was like to work with Mickey Rourke and, and such a great cast. Oh, you know, that, that, I mean, it's a while ago now, but I did enjoy doing that movie. I love, you know, the desert out around Santa Fe and... Uh, New Mexico, you know, it's uh, fabulous landscapes and everything. And um, so, yeah, I did enjoy doing that film. Was Mickey, Mickey was quite a character. I was going to say... Mickey was a real character. Any stories about Mickey you can tell me? Oh, yeah, I've got a few. Well, here's a little short one. So Mickey loves... Uh, wanted to... As part of his contract, he had that if he was ever coming to town, he had to, he had to have a uh, Chev Corvette, a particular one available for him to drive. And it was a vintage one of about 1960. So... The only one we could find for this, he was coming to town for a um, some rehearsals anyway. He, um, we found this one that had been given by General Motors to an astronaut <laughs> somewhere from around that area. So they bring in this um, Corvette on the back of a, you know, a, a, a truck, you know, a car mover, yeah. and uh, unload it out in front of his rooms, and then um, we the the rehearsals are going to happen about 100 yards up the street so Mickey's assistant gets in the car Mickey walks up there the assistant drives the car up there and then uh, and then Mickey does the rehearsals and another car comes and picks him up and off he goes and he never drove the car oh there you go thank you for that it's such a great film and, and I'll watch it on a regular basis oh thank you well I did enjoy it you know it was a sort of moody you know modern western I suppose yeah now I'm um, Ah, so yes, there you go. That was a little bit about White Sands from the director himself, Roger Donaldson. I think it was a reasonable box office hit at the time. Uh, like I said, thrillers were really ramping up then and not quite as big as this one, but there was others around it like, let's say, Basic Instinct, uh, Body of Evidence even, which had Willem Dafoe in it and Madonna. Movies like that, Single White Female. There were so many cool thrillers at that period that were doing big business at the box office. White Sands was kind of like in the mix. The Hand That Rocks the Cradle was another one I really liked. It had Rebecca de Mornay in it. Check it out. And Julianne Moore. Anyway, back to White Sands. It is probably uh, one or three... I guess one or three, if I had to name my favourite Mickey Rourke movies, it would be in the three. I, I think, if I just think of it now, yes, probably would be if I was asked on the spot, what are my top three Mickey Rourke movies? I think White Sands would make it. Uh, I've seen it probably more than 17, 18 times, and that's only in the last decade. Let me just say that uh, my favourite Mickey Rourke movie we'll be talking about in a couple of episodes' time. But this one, in terms of his performance, his clothes, his look, his presence, like around the co-stars that he's with and the music, music I didn't mind either, the locations, uh, they're all really cinematic and work for this film. In saying that, some of the dialogue is a little bit dodgy, a little bit mysteriously, unintentionally funny. Uh, it all works, but... Uh, there's some stuff here that you're laughing at and you're thinking, what the hell? But that's okay. Uh, 16 minutes left in the movie, we finally arrive at White Sands. I thought that was always interesting. Uh, the New Mexico, beautiful monument location, which if you watch Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, a Mickey Rourke movie with uh, Don Johnson, 
Tom Sizemore was in that too. Uh, and the opening credits, in the great opening credits of Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, when you got Bon Jovi, Wanted Dead or Alive playing, and you see Mickey Rourke riding his Harley uh, along the long stretches of road, uh, he goes past a sign that says White Sands. So it always reminds me of this movie, of course. And we'll, we'll talk about Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man again, like I said, in future episodes. We are going to do all Mickey Rourke movies, but White Sands. It's a murder mystery. It's full of double crosses, uh, hidden identity, all building up to a crescendo of corruption among authority figures, FBI included. But it looks through the eyes of this small-town cop played by Willem Dafoe. He's in way over his head. He takes the matter of a corpse found with a bag of money further than he ever should have. Uh, and it eventually evolves into an undercover sting. And it's, it's good. You know, it's straightforward, but it's all really good stuff. Moratini is also in the cast, a young Moratini. It's funny because Mickey has worked with a lot of people uh, more than once. Some of them three or four times. But in this one, what I could pick up on, there's a few. Willem Dafoe, of course, uh, had a very small role in Heaven's Gate, 1980. Animal Factory in 2000. That's a great Mickey Rourke, Edward Furlong uh, movie. Directed by Steve Buscemi, actually. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico also had Willem Dafoe in it. That was from 2003. Mimi Rogers, who I mentioned was in White Sands. She's uncredited in White Sands, I've got to let you know, too. So if you're looking her up, you might not find her because she is an uncredited role, which is small. She plays the wife of Willem Dafoe's character. But she also appears with Mickey Rourke in Desperate Hours from 1990. Now, that's also in my top ten Mickeys, I think. Uh, Yeah, that one is very good, directed by Michael Cimino, as was Heaven's Gate, as was Year of the Dragon. So Mickey Rourke with that director three times. Uh, James Rebhorn is also in Desperate Hours. And this one's worth noting, Ben Zeller. Now, there's a scene in White Sands where Mickey gives a bum, a hobo, some money when they're at a rodeo. Uh, just gives him some money in the car park and then the, the bum takes off again. That bum, that hobo, is played by Ben Zeller. He's the drifter in the radio here. But he's actually a construction coordinator, a crewman on two other Mickey Rourke movies. Man on Fire from 2004, Tony Scott movie with uh, the great Denzel Washington, and Passion Play. Now, Passion Play is, is a terrific movie. Weird, unusual, unique, different, whatever you want to call it, Passion Play from 2010 is still good. And um, this Ben Zeller, who played the bum, was also a construction coordinator on the crew for Passion Play, Man on Fire. So there you go. Maybe maybe Mickey just got him that small role. Who knows? Well, smoking. He says he's quit smoking. Gorman Lennox, by the way, is the name of Mickey Rourke's character in this movie. Gorman Lennox. He says he quit smoking uh, early in the piece. He's chewing a lot through the movie, but eventually he does spark up towards the end. Uh, It's about the one hour, 29 minute mark, if you need to know. Usually, and why I'm mentioning this is usually uh, Mickey Rourke is smoking in the opening scene 
or within five minutes of any movie he's in up until about 2005. He smokes pretty much from the start. Watch. Go on, watch some of his old movies, older films, his retro movies, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Does he suit the role? Of course. He's perfect for all the reasons I said before. He also has this scary presence. Uh, There's a dark side to him that is held back a little bit in the movie, but gets uh, built up towards the finale. There's also a bit of a uh, big reveal, which I'll keep spoiler-free right now. Uh, He has a compassionate side as well, hence giving some money to the bum and a few other little bits and pieces in the film concerning Mary Elizabeth Mastro Antonio. In one scene, he also uh, makes Willem Dafoe's character buy some art from a random barmaid while while they're in this restaurant bar thing, which I thought was quite interesting. He's supporting local art. There you go. He's a... He's a supporter of the local art scene of White Sands. He has a big character reveal, which I mentioned before, and I'm not going to say it, what it is, but it is handled with smooth delivery. It's not done over the top, and it all makes sense. I think that's a really good way of uh, finishing up the movie, as it does. He also has a gold tooth in it. Uh, It's very prevalent in certain scenes when he's smiling, and uh, I'm not sure whether it's a real or fake Gold tooth, maybe that's something I should have asked the great Roger Donaldson. Clothes, he's got uh, very stylish tailored suits and shirts in this, all all looking very good through the movie. He does have a tweed jacket on as well at one point, which I thought was interesting. I mentioned Maura Tierney was in this movie, uh, the great Maura Tierney, very young in this movie. Now, she was also in Welcome to Mooseport, which starred Gene Hackman, in at this stage, Gene Hackman's final role. Gene is still alive and well, I believe, at the time of recording this podcast. Uh, but he doesn't do movies anymore. He just does his own art, hidden away at home. Good for him. Anyway, Moratini is in Welcome to Mooseport. And Gene Hackman is in a Mickey Rock movie called Eureka, which, again, we'll be talking about at some point down the road in... Mickey Rourke talk. John P. Ryan, who had a uh, small scene in Rumblefish that was deleted, he pops up as an arms dealer, and Fred Dalton Thompson does too. Both of them are arms dealers in two scenes, two pretty intense scenes, but both are uncredited in this movie. What's going on? Mimi Rogers was uncredited, John P. Ryan and Fred Dalton Thompson are uncredited. Not sure why. What's going on there? I like how they use Willem Dafoe's character as bait in this movie. Yeah, he thinks he's helping the feds out, but he's actually bait. There's some of there's a hint of what revelation that Mickey has at the end of this movie. The final thoughts. I think it'd get made today. It is worth watching, and even if you're not a Mickey completist, it's got a good cast got good music the cinematography as i mentioned there's some side characters here that are very bizarre including a hotel room scene with willem dafoe two women a bed and a knife and one of the women is laughing hysterically Uh, it's cool and there's a callback to them later on which i thought was also pretty cool so white sands for me i won't rate it out of 10 
It'd be pretty high if I did, but just uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. I have no idea if it's streaming. I have two copies of it, and I cherish them both. Let's hope it comes out on Blu-ray sometime, because at the moment, I've only got two DVDs. Final movie on Mickey Rourke Talk today is Ashby. Ashby was released in 2015, and it's a movie that I hadn't seen until I ordered it. International Region 1 DVD sent to Australia and loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I had no idea it was actually directed by an Aussie, Tony McNamara. At the time, I didn't know who Tony McNamara was, but he's an Oscar nominee. He wrote The Favourite, which was a terrific film. He was also the writer for an indie comedy I remember very well, but I didn't know he was the director, called Rage in Placid Lake. From 2003, this Australian movie was a big hit. Uh, it had Rose Byrne in it and Aussie folk singer, musician Ben Lee. He's currently married to Ione Sky. And Ione Sky, if you don't know that name, I'm surprised. Here's just a few movies that Ione Sky's been in. If you were around in the 80s and 90s, I think you'd know who Ione Sky was. But just in case you don't, she's Mrs. Ben Lee. But she was also an actress in Say Anything, the John Cusack movie. Oh, she is the girlfriend, the untouchable girlfriend that uh, he holds the boombox above his head for. Wayne's World. Ione was in Wayne's World. She was Rob Lowe's girlfriend. Oh, she was in the Rachel Papers. Love the Rachel Papers. Got a chance to have a chat to Dexter Fletcher, who's an actor. But he also directed Rocket Man, and I asked him about the Rachel Papers. He was very surprised. I was talking about it because uh, I don't think it's a movie he gets asked about much. He is very young in it, and I and his guy and he play uh, high school students from memory. Gas Food Lodging. Oh, man, that is a terrific movie if you haven't seen it. Really good independent 90s film, Gas Food Lodging. Zodiac, the great Zodiac, yes. She has a small role, but significant role in that. And River Phoenix fans. And Matthew Perry, Perry fans too, actually. Uh, Matthew Perry before Friends appeared in A Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon, which also had Ione Sky. And I'll be in talking about Ione Sky again shortly because let's get back to Ashby. There is a link. Ashby from 2015. Here's some of the co-stars of Mickey Rourke in Ashby. Sarah Silverman. Emma Roberts. Now, Emma Roberts has only one scene with Mickey in this, which I was kind of, I was kind of surprised about. And they don't even talk. They just look at each other and smile. But her dad, Eric Roberts, is good mates with Mickey Rourke and they've been in several movies together. We'll be talking about all of those in due time. Nat Wolf. Nat Wolf is very good in this movie. Michael Lerner, the great Michael Lerner. Kevin Dunn. Yes, Kevin Dunn is in this movie, which I thought was pretty cool. And John Enos Third. I'm going to point out John Enos Third because he's in a, a movie called Bullet from 1996 alongside Mickey Rock. He's in The Last Ride 
or FTW from 1994. It's a movie with two titles. I'm assuming they had to change the title from FTW to The Last Ride because FTW means F the world. It also is the initials of Mickey's character name in the film, but we will get into that when I talk about The Last Ride. And incidentally, this John Enos III, who's still acting to this day, uh, apparently there's an upcoming movie called The Commando with Mickey Rourke and Michael Jai White. Uh, But I'll leave that until it's made and then we'll talk about it. But this one I do want to mention, John Enos III, obviously a mate of Mickey Rourke also, Incidentally, he's in The Size of Watermelons, a movie you and probably many other people haven't heard of. I do own a copy of it, and it co-stars Ioni Sky. <laughs> so there, there is a wild link right there. Ashby, how can I describe it? I'm not going to give you a, a, a complete synopsis. It's an odd comedy drama. Yes, I said comedy. Uh, Mickey is actually very funny in it. He hits the humorous marks right on time. Like he is very funny at, in time, at you know, pretty much all the time. Mostly with his co-stars Nat Wolf and Sarah Silverman. There's some really good uh, observational comedic moments among them. And Mickey also pulls out high emotions, as in sad emotions, and some serious random tones during certain scenes um, because he's how can I say Ashby Holt which is the name of his character in this he's an ex-CIA hitman he's living in suburbia under the radar and right in the opening scene you see him driving his car and he passes out behind the behind the steering wheel and ends up being diagnosed uh, with only three months to live young Nat Wolf He's a great actor. I'll say that again. He's a terrific actor. He and his brother. Uh, Nat plays the teen Ed who lives next door. And Ashby actually ends up employing him to driving him around. And Ed's also doing an assignment on elderly people. And he's using Ashby as the subject. So they're kind of using each other at first. Uh, They get to know each other and they become friends. You've got to watch the movie to watch that and how that plays out. Although they do have a punch-up at one point, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, Mickey teaching the kid to box and defend himself is really cool because as we know, or you might know, uh, Mickey Rourke took a whole lot of time off acting to do professional boxing and he'd he done boxing and he's a very athletic guy even to this day. So interesting to see him do that in the movie homeboy is a movie just about boxing that we will be talking about as well he and christopher walken were in that movie uh, ashby admits he wants wanted to be a baseball player and ed pursues the high school football team as in american football team and ashby sort of entices him to do it which is really good find his dreams and you know there's a few really nice connection moments there because Ed's father doesn't really want much to do with him as it plays out and Ashby gives him a hand which is really cool not quite the father figure but watch it and you'll see what I mean they have brilliant chemistry as does Mickey with uh, Sarah Silverman 
as I mentioned before. Just I think all actors around Mickey Rourke is re- are really good in this movie. He downplays a lot of the moments, and it's a comedy. It's a comedy drama. It's a little bit different for Mickey Rourke. And I'm looking at the DVD cover now and just checking it out. It's very unassuming. He looks good. His hair's kind of uh, grey in the movie. I think they've coloured it. He also files his nails in this one scene, which has got the camera on him. It's bizarre, but, uh, yeah, he's filing his nails, smiling away at Mickey Rourke one point uh it's often that it's not like he's acting in this movie he's doing a lot of natural reactions i think i think maybe tony mcnamara the director maybe set the scene and let mickey sort of veer off i'm not saying he did but maybe he did veer off the uh script a little bit mickey drinks milk at one point too i made a note of this and he leaves a milk moustache on his face. Now, either the director didn't tell him or and continued to roll the film or Mickey himself didn't care. Uh, Nat is in the scene with him and never says anything either and there's no smiling or anything. So then it eventually gets wiped off. But, at you know, for a fair, fair period of time, Mickey Rourke's got this milk moustache, which is something I never thought I'd ever see. Uh, The backstory of Ashby is reflected on regarding a family history incident. Uh, It's a nice touch of sadness and is kind of sad, I've got to say. His clothes and and stuff and wardrobe that he wears, uh, clear frame sunnies, which actually look really good on him. Now, some of his clothes include a wardrobe of checkered shirts, quite a lot of checkered shirts, a suede jacket, with elbow patches, uh, a grey suit and a white open shirt. Uh, that is on the cover of the DVD. Looks pretty good. Hoodie. They always suit him, hoodies. And this really cool jacket he wears, a green one, a camouflage, kind of, sort of like a camo green jacket with all these badges on it. I liked that. Uh, and had another jacket on that was kind of like dark blue at one point too that that looked good so the costume department were all on point for this movie i've got to say and ashby overall is a great film it's underseen that's definite he doesn't smoke at all from memory in this he chews a lot of matchsticks but there's no smoking from mickey rourke i mentioned he files his nails i've got that written down twice i don't know why i think it just made me laugh and crack up it's very funny that's definitely one of Mickey's best films of the 2000s. Is it in my ten, top 10? Maybe. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. Okay, so thank you very much. That is it for now. I'm going to do uh, some more podcasts. Whether anyone downs, downloads and listens to this or not, I do not know. I've got guests coming up. Some guests that will join me to talk about certain movies uh, and memories of other Mickey Rock movies. We'll focus on two or three Mickey Rock movies every episode. From maybe I'll try and do different decades, like I did today. Today we had uh, from the eighties, the nineties, and the two thousands. So we'll see what we can do. He made a couple of movies in the seventies, in particular, nineteen forty one, which I'm very much looking forward to talking about. But uh, as I mentioned, thank you very much for listening to the Mickey Rock talk podcast discussion um 
And that's what I think it is, a discussion. That's it for now. Uh, if you want to email me uh, any of your thoughts, go for it. Shane Adam Bassett. Yes, that's me, your host, Shane Adam Bassett, all lowercase at gmail.com. Oh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Movie Analyst. That's at Movie underscore Analyst. Uh, you'll see movie reviews and interviews. They're all usually linked. Uh, there's also a YouTube channel. I guess you could Google Movie Analyst Shane A. Bassett, and that's an A, as in the initial A. There's video interviews on the YouTube channel and um, some other things. So You never know. If you're interested in Mickey Rourke or just movies in general, Google my name. You'll find me. Have your say. All you Mickey Rourke fans, I want to hear from you, but be nice, please. Next time on Mickey Rourke Talk, here is the triple feature I'm going to present. Barfly from 1987. Double Team from 1997. Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman movie. Yes, you heard right. Barfly, incidentally, is one of the greats, one of my favourites. And we'll wrap up the next episode with a picture called Picture Claire from 2001. But until then, bye for now.